0: sports dj dylan jesperson here joined as always by my main man dh dylan Holt. dylan how are you doing today
1: i'm on top of the world as long as we're talking college football i don't want to talk about the nfl because sunday was a sad day it was a bad day to be a tennessee titans fan everything looked good for like Three quarters, I'd say. I had the third quarter, sorry, going downhill. Saquon Barkley turned into Penn State Saquon Barkley. But I for the first, like, half, oh, my goodness, the Titans looked like, who cares, A.J. Brown's gone. We're not going to miss a beat. And then it all went downhill. They missed the field goals. Time expired. And, like, 0-1 when week one was against the daggum New York Giants. That sucked. But to get the vibes back up, Tennessee won a road game against a ranked opponent in the non-conference schedule for the first time since, get this, 2003. That's a long time, nearly 20 years. Tennessee doesn't win those games. This season just feels different. The vibes are up. I'm very excited. Things are going well. Albert Pujols is up to 697 career home runs. Wayno and Molina became the uh, record holder for most starts from a starting pitcher catcher battery in MLB history. Things are going really well for Dylan Holt right now. How are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, it's the full swing of the fall sports season, football, soccer, volleyball, all that good stuff. I'm loving my first season and Gaylord covering it big game this Friday. Gaylord travels to Petoskey for, uh, the JC's trophy, I believe is what they call it. So, uh, big game for that. Uh, and then like you said, sp- speaking of college football, it, it You couldn't ask for a better day of college football than we got last Saturday, Uh, maybe uh, unless you could have asked for maybe a Texas win over Bama. Uh, But it was one of the best days of college football that I can remember uh, in terms of multiple upsets, multiple close games, ranked games that were uh, gave us that chaotic feeling Uh, and it was all like me and Dylan were talking about before the podcast started it was spaced out perfectly It, it was one of the best days of college football and that alone has made us switch up our order of our show. We can't wait. We're jumping right into this week in sports so we can give our uh, our opinions on this week. And I'm going to jump right into it because I've got a lot to talk about from last week. Because a lot happened, a lot that I want to get right into. I'm starting right up, up front with Nebraska and Scott Frost. As many of you know, uh, Nebraska took the final straw out of Nebraska of Scott Frost's coaching reign, uh, as they lost to Georgia Southern on Saturday, 45 to 42. Uh, and then on Sunday, uh, let Scott Frost go, even when they could have saved about $7.5 million, if they would have waited till October first, they, they couldn't wait. They had to get him out of there. And if you've heard us talk about Nebraska and Scott Frost in the past few weeks, or maybe even dating back to last year, I'm sure we gave our opinions last season. Uh, we were not high on Scott Frost. We did not think he was going to turn around. And boy, uh, I don't think even we could have predicted the downfall that Nebraska has taken in these first few weeks. I mean, even in your wildest dreams, it was like, OK, they're going to go into Oklahoma at least three and oh, worse, two and one. If you get a fluke in Ireland and lose Northwestern. No one could have predicted a Clay Helton coach, Georgia Southern team was going to go hang 45 points and 600 plus yards on the Nebraska team at home. Uh, And as much as we've talked about the one score games, you know, all all of what Scott Frost has been 34 percent in percentage, five and 22 in one score games. This actually felt like the first time where, okay, they just got they got beat. If you go back and watch that game, I mean, they got ran all over and they were there was really no stopping that Georgia Southern offense. And that's a that is in in the state of Nebraska when you're coaching a a historic program like that, that is, you know, that is the thing that tips you over the edge. The Sun Belt had a great day on Saturday. But if you can't stop a Sun Belt team at home, I don't think you deserve a job. And, And I think it's much overdue. Now you're stuck with an interim head coach for nine games. Uh, I'll get to Mickey Joseph in a little bit, but uh, I, I, you're in a tough spot as a Nebraska fan welcoming Oklahoma in, uh, this weekend uh, to, uh, with an interim head coach. Uh, I do think if you had any shot, I don't think there's maybe a 0.1% chance you win that game, but I think it did go up maybe a point oh oh five percent by firing Scott Frost, just because it gives you a little bit of something else to play for. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but at least it like gives you a, a minuscule better chance. I think this puts Nebraska fans in a point where they got to do a reality check on what they are as a program and what they can achieve uh, going forward. Because since they've joined the Big Ten, they have not been good. I mean, think about where they were leaving the Big 12 and joining the Big Ten. It is a stark difference. The only team that has a worse record in the Big Ten since Nebraska has joined is Rutgers. And that's, that's terrible. I mean, that, I mean, there's no Rutgers has been the bottom of the barrel and let's be honest, Rutgers is gaining on them at this point. Greg Ciano is starting to turn things around with an interim head coach. It could get real close by the end of the year. So, uh, and if you remember in 2018, when they hired Scott Frost, it was literally the perfect hire. You've got a former national championship winning uh, quarterback in Scott Frost that played under uh, Coach Osborne. He had just gone undefeated at UCF, and he had spent time under, or, uh, under Chip Kelly at Oregon. Uh, if The phrase, if he can't do it, no one can, was thrown around, and, and you might, that might be true. That might still be true. If he can't do it, no one can, might be true about Scott Frost. And I've listened to a lot of Nebraska media in the last few days, I think they're they're a little bit lost on what they can achieve and where they are. I I heard someone talk about they thought that Matt Campbell would want to come to Nebraska because he, for some reason, turned down USC last year because he wanted to stay in the Midwest and and wait for the Nebraska job to open up. That is reaching. Like At this point, he's reaching. He is uh, a... a very hot commodity in the head coaching space and to go and think that you're going to get a guy like that to go to Lincoln Nebraska I just don't think I don't think you're in the right headspace right now I think I'd rather go to Boone North Carolina and coach at Appalachian State than I would Lincoln Nebraska right now so get that out of your head get the urban mire out of your head there's no there's no chance I if you, if you ask me who I think the top candidate for the Nebraska job right now, I think it is interim head coach Mickey Joseph. Uh, he was the wide receivers coach at LSU. He coached Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase at LSU, which both of us have talked about how much we love those two guys. And he's a modern-day recruiter. I mean, most of the guys, most of the big-time names on Nebraska's uh, recruiting classes in the past few years has been because of Mickey Joseph. So uh, I think if that's where – if you want to start anywhere, you got to start with, like, a guy – you haven't really heard of that's that's making a name for themselves, and maybe in these next nine games, could really uh, put put his stamp on that program and take it over. Because, man, I do not see anyone clamoring over taking over uh, uh, Nebraska in the Big Ten West. That's only getting harder as USC and UCLA joined it in the next couple of years.
1: What if they just threw like a
0: dump truck of money at Ed Orgeron? <laughs> that would be something. Get him and
1: Mickey back together. Just move LSU Midwest.
0: I I can't imagine. I I, I don't know. I, I I'm. That's still more in the line of what I've heard than what I've heard in the past few weeks of Bob Stoops, Mark Stoops. These guys that like they think they're gonna swing out of. <laughs> if Mark
1: Stoops leaves what he has at Kentucky
0: for Nebraska, he's crazy. Exactly, and that's and that's where Nebraska fans need to realize. It's like you're not what you thought you were before. You're not the same program you are the tradition that you have, you've worn it out. I think Scott Frost literally wore out the last of the Nebraska tradition that you had left over. So uh, I don't think uh, you got to build it back before you're going to be able to be back there. Do I think that it's over? I mean, no, you've got uh, that tradition. That is the, the cool thing about college football. That tradition allows you to, once you get the right pieces in there, you can kind of reload it into the spot that you need to be. But It's been a long time since we've seen Nebraska at that level. I mean, we were in middle school, I want to say, when the last time when Nebraska was anything good, they were in the Big 12. Maybe they need to go back to the Big 12. I don't know. There's a lot of things wrong in Lincoln, Nebraska, that they need to fix. Moving on uh, to to some winners over the weekend and in, in Michigan football and, and overall J.J. McCarthy, because if you've listened to the show since last football season, you will know I've been fully on the J.J. McCarthy bandwagon. Uh, and, and I ended up coming around to Cade last season just because more than anything, I knew he wasn't going to lose the job. And, uh, you know, he he did good things as our starter. I don't want to. Uh, you know, dog on Cade McNamara. He won us a he took us from the doldrums that was our COVID year, uh, to a a Big Ten championship and beating Ohio State last year. And they're winning a Big Ten championship and into the college football playoff. I can't thank Cade McNamara enough for what he did, but low-key Saturday was one of my favorite moments as a Michigan fan, watching JJ McCarthy after everything I've said about the kid, after being like, okay, this kid's the next thing, the kid's the next thing, to go out and have a basically flawless performance against Hawaii. I get it was Hawaii, but like to go 12 of 13 for 229 yards and three touchdowns against anyone is a good stat line. And he did that in the first half. He didn't play much more than like one series in the second half. Uh, It was, it was the culmination of everything I'd said. It was like, he's hitting receivers in stride, letting them run after the catch. He can make reads uh, that Cade hasn't like Cade, pre-predicts what he wants to throw to and then throws it away jj was going through his progressions throwing to the second third fourth options at times during uh the hawaii game and and more than anything it's something that i I mean i talked about last week where uh there's this misconception that jj mccarthy is just the running quarterback and Cades the throwing quarterback the the fact that jj mccarthy can run the football brings such a dynamic force to michigan's offense you saw it on his first touchdown pass they actually ran a true rpo which you don't we've been running that at Michigan, but it doesn't look like it because Kate doesn't have any ability to run the football. When you actually run it the right way, you see the safety come up completely vacate the middle of the field. There's a wide open receiver. And then JJ puts it right on the money for him. It, it, it it looks so much simpler and smoother with JJ running the offense. And finally, he's the starter. He's QB one. I'm happy for him. I'm finally, uh, I'm not happy to see what this, to see him get what he deserves because i think he's deserved it maybe since the like halfway through last year and this completely changes what i think the ceiling for michigan is this might be out of pocket but i feel confident in saying this i think we have the best quarterback in the big 10 right now and that's includes cj stroud and i'm saying that because i i trust cj's arm a little bit more because just because he's played in more meaningful football games, we've seen him do it uh, on bigger stages than JJ has. JJ only did it in one game against Hawaii, but JJ, I think we can confidently say JJ is a better runner than CJ. Uh, it, it's pretty clear. Like CJ, CJ does not run the football, and and that's been a, a sticking point for Ohio State fans for the past few years. Is CJ doesn't run the ball when he needs to run the football. And that is the part of J.J. that makes our offense so elite is that he solves so many of our red zone issues. He solves so many of our issues with our offense not working the right way because he can actually run the RPOs. And I've seen what he can do with throwing the football. He can put the ball just like C.J. can right on the money in those spots. As long as he can do that consistently against good defenses, I think he might be better than CJ and I think he might be a Heisman candidate by the end of the year. We've already seen he's got better Heisman odds than guys like uh Travion Henderson right now. Uh, that already after one game of starting. So, uh This might be an overreaction. We only played Hawaii. We're going to play Yukon this week. He's probably going to do the same exact thing against Yukon. He'll probably do it against Maryland. Honestly, he might do it against Iowa too. I don't think that much of Iowa as much about Iowa that I did. At the beginning of the season, but I, I'll say it, it just it, it it's so fun to like have your expectations like brought to like a whole new level just by one player playing. Just so much difference in Cade to JJ. Whereas with Cade, I was like, well, our ceiling is what we did last year. Maybe we can upend Ohio State. Maybe we can beat a bad Big Ten West team in the Big Ten Championship. But we're not going to beat a Georgia. We're not going to beat an Alabama. JJ gives you the opportunity to do that just because talent alone, he can go on beat teams. And that's, I'm so excited. He's the best quarterback I've seen in the Michigan uniform since I've been watching. And that's including Chad Henney. That's including Denard Robinson. He has the potential to be very, very, very good. And I'm just really, really excited. If you can't tell, I'm very, very excited about JJ McCarthy rounding out my thoughts, Notre Dame, Marcus Freeman looks lost. I, I, I don't know what's going on with that defense uh, or with that offense, uh, but you look outmatched by a Sunbelt team. And we talked about it. The Sunbelt had a very good day, but Marshall looked like the better team for the most part of that game. Now his recruiting probably hasn't kicked in as much, you know, as others have. He needs to get a good quarterback because I, I know he's got CJ Carr coming. Tyler Buckner looks terrible. Drew Pine, and we know what Drew Pine is. He's a solid game manager, but at best, like, they might be looking at a really rough season there in, in South Bend, and uh, it's going to be on Marcus Freeman to really pick that up. And uh, before I, before I throw it to you, I, I almost forgot uh, Bama Texas. I almost didn't give my reaction to the Bama Texas game. Holy cow, Quinn Ewers is a superstar, man. I, I mean, I'm convinced if he didn't get hurt he handily wins that Texas could have handily won that game if he didn't get hurt. So, uh, and I think this is just an overall point. I think you can talk more about the game and like Alabama, but I feel like college football is almost taking a swing back towards the defensive side of the ball Uh, in more of a general sense, because we've seen like that offensive, uh, you know, revolution that Alabama and Ohio state have gone under where they pass the ball so much and they've been so effective, but you've seen, I mean, just last year, Georgia uh, defense first team wins a national championship and now in early in the season both Ohio State and Alabama have struggled to put up points against teams that I mean not Notre Dame's not that good Texas is Texas's defense has been bad for the past few years and I think they've improved but I think we've seen I I'm not good enough from an X's and no standpoint to figure out specifically what it is but I feel like someone on the defense has figured something out and it's starting to become a a defensive oriented game, which I, I think that's the best part about college football is like the swings of the game. It's, it's, it's already changed so much from like when we grew up to like the offensive revolution of Oregon to the, the passing revolution to now, and now I feel like another defensive revolution is coming around. It's so fun to see like how these teams and how these chess matches play out. It, it, I love college football. And I think this, this last Saturday was a a culmination, a perfect example of what makes everything and what makes it so great and why we love it so much. But all that being said, DH, I'll throw it to you. What was your reaction to week one last week or week two?
1: I'm going to piggyback off that. I I couldn't agree more. I think defense is kind of taking college uh, football kind of like by the sack. And they're like, Hey, this it's us now. people, Defensive coordinators or head coaches, too. They saw what Georgia did last year, having so much talent on the defensive end, and they won a national championship because of it. Georgia had talent on offense. They didn't have national championship talent on offense. They just had enough talent to win games. That defense was dominant and one of the best defenses we've ever seen in the game. And people see that and they're like, "Okay, we can win games by just not letting people score. What a revolutionary idea. And it's working for teams. It's helping them stay close in games, which... Alabama going to Texas, I don't know if that's the greatest example because even last year with this loaded squad Alabama has, it's even better now, I think. Uh, they struggled going on the road a little bit. They went to Texas AM, and and i will get into Texas AM in a minute. They went to Texas AM and last year and lost to a team that they are much better than. They're much better than that Texas team, and I still believe that. But they went on the road, and they, they're thinking, we're Alabama, we're going to win. They went to a very, very, very hostile environment. And Texas was fired up. They're like, we're going to get it revenge for that 2009 national championship, or whatever it was. You guys hurt our star quarterback. If we would have had Colt, we would have won. Same exact things happened because Alabama, they've got they've got that devil magic, that Nick Saban magic where just crazy things happen that allows them to win. Because Texas did everything to win that game. Quinn Ewers was on fire, looking like a superstar quarterback that everyone thought he was. The defense played well. That safety. How in the world is that not a safety? I mean college football refs are the worst human beings alive. Like it's like it's like the the people that were like at Epstein's island, like terrorists, like tied for one, like all, you know, all the people lumped in, then a few tears down are just college football refs. I mean they're the worst. They they just hose Texas. Like I don't like Texas, but oh my goodness. I was sitting there on Saturday, my horns were up. I was grilling with my brother sitting outside. Like I was like, look them, I got like, Quinn Ewers is the truth. I love Xavier Worthy, Bijan Robinson for Heisman, like all the stuff. And I don't think I've ever been that emotionally uh, invested in a game that didn't involve my UT. I mean, I was all in on Texas, and it just I was so frustrated because I've seen those things happen to Tennessee so often when they play Alabama, and it's just so, so frustrating. But yeah, Texas, I was so ready to tweak Texas's back. So ready, and of course it didn't happen. Uh, but that was a great game. I think Texas is showing they're making the right uh, moves and strides forward, which is exciting. Um, but yeah, it, I really, really wanted them to win. We haven't talked. To, you didn't talk about USC. USC looks really, really, really good. And I know they played whoever week one. It was a no, but Rice, I believe, and they blew Rice out. And then they went to Stanford this week. And that's a game that, like, they've struggled with in previous years. That's a hard place to go. I only watched, like, the first quarter, second quarter. That connection between Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, it looks like an NFL connection. There's not many, like, connections in college football that look like that. It was so crisp. It was so professional-looking. Like, it was amazing – I saw it was a 75-yard touchdown pass from Caleb Williams to Jordan Addison. It just looked like a different game than other college football games being played that day. USC, a lot of people thought it wouldn't work, all those guys coming in. It's just a completely different team. I think it's going to work. I said I thought it would work. I think it's working because Caleb Williams in his sophomore year and his first year in L.A. looks incredible. Jordan Addison is still, if not – the best receiver like the second best receiver in the country and USC is just they're nice. Lincoln Riley's a great coach. They they are nice. Uh AM, yeah, they suck. I, I thought they sucked before the season started. They do suck. They don't have a quarterback. Haynes Keane is not the answer. Max Johnson might be. I doubt it. Um we're gonna talk about AM later. App State's good. I thought App State was good. I talked about them before week one. I thought they were gonna beat North Carolina. That didn't happen. Then they go to AM and beat AM. and App State's a great program. You know that just like I do. Uh, I was happy for them because I, I think I, I thought AM were frauds. They are frauds, and they got exposed. Uh, Notre Dame, I was sad about that because I like Marcus Freeman, and I, I didn't want to see them lose. But, hey, good for the little guys. Marshall got the huge win at Notre Dame. That has to be like there's Marshall alumni that don't keep up with Marshall football. And they saw that Marshall beat Notre Dame, and they probably sent money. They're like, oh, that's my alma mater. We beat the college football program. I'm going to donate some money. That's really, really cool. And then Georgia Southern beat Nebraska. That's also just awesome. I, I like, as a guy that went to a mid-major college, you got to love that. Just seeing the little guys get wins, it's really, really cool. And then I'm going to end it with the two games that I had my most attention on: Tennessee, Pittsburgh. You talked about J.J. McCarthy. Hinden Hooker is awesome. That guy. I mean, I've talked about him a lot in the last two years. In overtime, that game goes to overtime, and they did a close-in on Hinden's face. And you could tell in his eyes. He was like, we're not losing this game. It was like one of those uh, moments like in the NBA when they zoom in on LeBron. And he's just in that zone. Hinden was like that. And it's like, okay, we got Hinden Hooker, We're going to be all right. He made a run on first down, run on second down. And then on third down, it was all over social media. He steps up in the pocket, throws a jump ball to Cedric Tillman, touchdown. Defense goes out and gets a stop. It's nice to have a guy that you know you can rely on in big moments like that on the road against a ranked team, the ACC champions. And he's going to get it done. That's just, it's so nice to have that. There's a reason in the new Heisman odds, you've got all the stars of college football Bryce Young, uh, CJ Stroud, Caleb Williams. Uh, I, I think that's the top three. And then it goes JJ and Hendon on the Heisman odds right now. And that, I just think that's really, really cool. And my final point Kentucky exposed Florida absolutely exposed them. I think Utah was the better team than Florida. Florida just had better athletes. Then they play Kentucky, who has just as good of athletes. Kentucky absolutely exposed them. Kentucky's got a great defense. Offense still isn't that good. Will Levis is overrated. Anthony Richardson, oh my goodness. They crowned him the king of college football. How untrue was that? He just happened to be going against a bunch of kids from Utah, and he was a great athlete, and they just weren't ready for that and the crazy humidity. Kentucky was ready for the humidity. Kentucky's got great athletes, and they went out there, they exposed that Florida offense, and uh, I think a lot of people have realized, yeah, Florida, they weren't the number 12 team in the country, they just upset Utah, and Kentucky's good, so yeah, I'll leave it there. Yeah, a
0: lot of stuff to get into with that college football stuff, easy to miss out on some of that stuff, but yeah, I I completely agree with everything that you're saying there, it it was an amazing weekend of of college football and i'm hoping for just another one uh this upcoming saturday uh we're going to get into our game of this week which this week is going to be guess who uh i was trying to get my uh my cheat sheets prepared because i don't know where you're going this week uh we have a bit of a special twist on Guess Who. Today's player pools are going to be from each of our co-hosts' favorite teams. So DH uh, has picked a Detroit or a Michigan player, and I have picked a Tennessee Ball, a Titan, a Grizzly, or a Murray State Racer, and we'll have a minute to try to guess that individual. Uh, Dylan, uh, let me see. I'm, I'm sure I have a coin somewhere around here. I just don't know where. I, got I had a, a nickel somewhere. I have a dime. By-
1: That works. I had a nickel here by my laptop at some point. I don't know what I did with it.
0: Yeah, I think I'm fresh out of quarters. I'm running running real low. I got tails this time though.
1: Oh yeah, so I lost.
0: Yeah. Uh, We don't even have to
1: call it now. We know what it is.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll let you go first. I'll let you try to guess first.
1: Okay.
0: Let me get my uh, timer ready here. Are you ready? Where to go. Yeah, I reckon. All right. Three, two, one. Begin.
1: Is this a college athlete? No. Good. Thank God. Um, is it a Tennessee Titan? It is. It's a Tennessee Titan. Oh, goodness. I hate this roster so much.
0: <laughs> is it an offensive player? It is.
1: Okay. Is it a wide receiver? No. Tight end?
0: No. Thank God. Quarterback? No.
1: Tag, it's a lineman? No. No, running back.
0: Running back. Yes, it's Hassan Haskins. It is Hassan. Yeah. Haskins. <laughs> there we go.
1: It's a Michigan guy. I
0: there had to. Go. I had to. I'm going to bring up Hassan Haskins later, but uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Hassan Haskins, <laughs> Michigan guy, uh, Tennessee Titan. Uh, good little crossover. All yeah, right. There we go. Let me uh, get my... are, I guess I got a time. Yeah.
1: Are you ready?
0: I am ready. All right, go. Is it a college player?
1: No. Right. He Is was. it
0: a uh, basketball player? Yes. Uh, piston? Yes. Okay. Guard? No. Forward? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sneak Bay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was the first Detroit player I thought of for whatever reason. I was like, I don't want a star. So I was like, I don't want Cade Cunningham. And I was like, oh, Sadiq Bay, he's a fun one. I like Villanova basketball. So, yeah, that's where the brain went.
0: Yeah, yeah, Sadiq Bay, very overlooked player in this. Uh, you know, everyone wants to talk about Cade, and uh, obviously, uh, what's his face Jayden from Ivey. Purdue, Jay and Ivy. Uh, but yeah, uh, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah sneak, Livers. They, they got a few nice little rotational forwards.
1: Did he score fifty last year? Yeah, I think so. That's why it, it might have
0: been even his rookie year. He was the first yeah. female rookie. He, overlooked guy. He's a very good three-point shooter. He, did not have, have a lot of uh, hype coming out of Villanova as a pro, so uh, for
1: some reason. yeah, he was really good at Villanova.:
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. One of those picks that has made me think that Troy Weaver kind of has his, his stuff together uh, as a GM as a piston. He, take a he knows to, the basketball. Uh, yeah.
1: he, <laughs> you can see, he knows the basketball.
0: All right. uh, Moving on to the question and answer for this week. Uh, Before we get on this week's picks, we're going to get into our question and answers. Uh, We'll start with my question. We're going to get into a, a little bit of the NFL stuff. I know, I'm sure there's a lot of NFL fans looking for more NFL content. We'll we'll give you a little bit here, even though both of our teams lost. Uh, There was another team that lost that I don't think either of us expected to lose. And that was the green Bay Packers uh, losing handily to the Minnesota Vikings uh, in their week one matchup, Uh, at least from my perspective as an NFC North guy, uh, I just assume the Packers will roll through everyone in our division and to see that, Kind of go the opposite way to see Minnesota kind of handle the Packers. It shocked me enough to make it my question this week. Are the Packers bad? Is Minnesota good? Or is this just a week one result that we shouldn't look into too much? Dylan, I'll throw it to you. Yes, that
1: is my answer. Yes, I think the Packers are bad. I think the Vikings are good. And I think it's a week one thing. I really think all, the, all three of those things are true. I know I should probably just pick one. I don't think the Packers are good. The Packers are going to have to do something to add a weapon for Aaron Rodgers. It's not 1952. You're not going to run a wing t with uh, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. You, it's just not going to happen. If this was Murray, Kentucky at Murray High School, it would work fine. Like, that's what we've done forever. This is the NFL. They've got to figure out something where it's not just – Aaron Rodgers wasting away with two fantastic running backs. I think they're both great. You got to get some weapons. Robert Tanyan can't be the top target. I don't know what they're going to do, but they got to do something. On the other hand, Minnesota, I really like that roster. But I think I've decided every week I'm going to overreact and pick a new Super Bowl champion. Because as we all know, I picked the Dallas Cowboys last week, and oh, boy, oh, boy, that looks absolutely terrible. So I'm going to I'm going to say the Vikings are my new favorite to win the Super Bowl because I think they look Awesome. The defense looked really good. The offense looked good. Kirk Cousins looked really sharp. Justin Jefferson looks like he might be the best receiver in the league. That's gonna flip-flop every week with his buddy from LSU Jamar Chase. Uh Dalvin Cook like didn't do all that much, but he's still Dalvin Cook, and he's gonna do things throughout the year. That team has got a ton of talent, and then you've got veteran receivers like Adam Thielen, who like when if Justin Jefferson's being double-covered, Adam Thielen's still there, he's gonna make catches, make plays they got a good team, and I, I think people overlook them just because they're in the north with the Packers. If the Packers are down, that division's for the taking, and I think the Lions aren't there yet. The Bears, God bless the Bears. I I like that team. They're on no. Uh, so, I mean, the Vikings, if, if the Packers are down, that's their division to lose. Uh, so I, I think they can do a lot of good things. And for those starving for NFL content, if the Lions and Titans win, you'll get plenty. But if they're losing, sorry, we're going to talk college football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, and my answer is uh, the same cop-out, but it is a combo of all three. I, I, a lot has been made of the Rogers and his receivers since Devante Adams left. And man, I, you couldn't come out and have a worse showing than I, th- I think you did. I mean, Christian Watson having that first ball go right through his hands. I, I, I think that was just the, the beginning of what we saw was just a struggle for that offense, the entire game. And uh I don't want to like prescribe to, for players how to play. I, I, I'm past that, especially as someone who's never played the game. I don't know how your body's going to react to stuff, but I, I do think there's something to be made uh, of a quarterback who has basically a brand-new receiver room coming in and not playing a single preseason game and not getting any... Uh, I mean, so much of a quarterback and receivers relationship is just getting that timing down and getting real game reps and and doing those things. And and to not play a single snap of preseason football, I feel like just makes that first loss look even worse because it was clear that him and his receivers, even the veteran receivers like Sammy Watkins were not on the same page as him and Aaron Rodgers. So I think that, you know, that's where it's like a bit of week one stuff, but at the same time, the receivers were the biggest question mark. They looked poor. So I think, you know, there, is, there is a, a big question of what are the Packers. And and you mentioned it. I, I think Minnesota's roster as of right now looks better. And that's tough to say when they've got Kirk Cousins at quarterback and, and Green Bay has Aaron Rodgers. but in the totality of it, I mean, like you said, you've got Justin Jefferson, you've got Adam Thielen, you've got Dallin Cook, you've got a really good defense. That defense was terrible last year, but I think they've, they're actually pretty good this year. And I actually think they could be competitive with one, some of the best defenses in the league this year with some of the additions they've made and some of the guys that we know. I mean, Darius Smith, I mean, they, those those dudes are really, really good already. So I, I think, yeah, if they're and, – and I'll say this. I really like going out and getting an offensive head coach in Kevin O'Connell because, uh, you know, that kind of – if you're gonna win with Kirk Cousins, you've got to have a guy that's gonna play call the right things to get Justin Jefferson the ball in space. And oh man, he did a great job of that. <laughs> like there were times where Justin Jefferson was literally all alone on the field on on Sunday, and that can't happen when you're talking about, like you said, maybe the best receiver in the league. But you know that's just a, a credit to Kevin O'Connell and that offensive system. I think Minnesota is going to be you know a team that can push the Packers for the division title if things continue this way. But like we said as things go on you know it really won't matter who's catching balls for Aaron Rodgers as they as they get more rhythm and stuff they're going to be looking good at some point so um i still think it'll be close but i think minnesota is you know right there with them uh i think it's an interesting uh interesting division matchup to watch for the rest of the season especially because you don't get those like number one versus number two in the division week one most of the time. That's That was an interesting matchup. So uh, it, it kind of shocked me to see the Packers not up to uh, up to the task when I've watched them be up to the task for very many, many years. So uh, on to your question, DH.
1: Yeah, so uh, you're listening to this Friday or whatever day after, but we're recording on Thursday. So last night, my uh, favorite duo of all time, Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina—they broke the record for most starts in a career for a starting pitcher-catcher duo, a battery. And my question is, what are some of your favorite sports records? I've been in that mood lately with Pujols chasing 700, the Yadier and Wainwright duo breaking that record. So I've been in the record business lately. I want to—I want
0: to know what your favorite sports records are. Yeah, when this came up, I don't. I don't think there's any like general sports records that i like enjoy i'm always like as a sports fan obviously you're looking at like the will 100 points stuff like wayne gretzky's points in nhl like those unbreakable untouchable records that you know like Oh, that'd be cool if those get broken. But in terms of my, like, attachment to sports records, I think it's more in the line of, like, what you're going through in St. Louis right now, where you're experiencing records being broken in front of you, and that gives you a little bit more sense. Uh, for me, it it all happened really, like, at the beginning, and this is where I can almost credit my Michigan fandom. Uh, I watched the all-time Michigan leading passer in Chad Henney to throw most of his passes. I watched the all-time leading rusher in Michigan history in Mike Hart run the ball almost every time and Michigan's all-time leading receiver in Braylon Edwards catch most of his passes that was a little bit before my time but I saw like the back end of his career so I saw like the all-time greats of Michigan come through right as I was getting into college football so those will always stick out in my mind as like oh the best Michigan quarterback the best Michigan running back maybe not talent wise but numbers wise were there when I was getting into college football and that's like what has almost sparked that you know i it's what's driven me to be almost into uh sports journalism in the way because it's like i i understood numbers from a different standpoint back then where it's like this puts in context to how good these players are that i'm watching right now which was really cool uh and then also uh, I got to give a shout out to ha- Hassan Haskins, five touchdowns uh, against Ohio state. That was the other reason I picked him and guess who uh, that is one of my favorite sports records, uh, most rushing touchdowns uh, in a Michigan Ohio state game, five touchdowns. Ha- Hassan Haskins, a lot of great Ohio state and Michigan running backs, but no one's done better than Hassan. So uh, what about you? What are some of your favorite sports records?
1: My favorite record ever is you mentioned it, the Wilt Chamberlain, a hundred points in a game. And I feel like any time I get on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and I see that old footage of Wilt playing and they, like, they re- re-edited it to make it HD, I'm always just blown away. And I'm like, man. I wish I could have seen Wilt Chamberlain play basketball. He just looked like an alien. And it's just like, this is awesome. No one's ever going to score 100 points again. I really don't think it'll ever happen. Kobe came so close with 81, but I I don't think it'll ever happen again. In an NBA game with the NBA being more and more competitive as we go, I don't think we're ever going to see 100-point performance, which makes it just so cool. And the iconic picture with him holding the piece of paper, this is 100. It's become a meme now, and I, I think it's fantastic. Another one. Which has weird roots. It's from a video game. It's from NCAA. All those games in Dynasty mode. Uh, whenever you're like, okay, you get so good, you get all the five star recruits, and you just start winning, winning, winning. You're like, oh, I've won like three seasons without losing a game. That's like, well, you still haven't broke the record for most consecutive wins because Oklahoma won 47 straight college football games. That's absurd. I, I do not like the University of Oklahoma one bit, but you have to just tip your hat and be like, that's absolutely crazy, winning 47 straight collegiate football games. I mean, that's just, how do you do that? That like, nowadays it's like, oh, like there's so many different variables, transfer portal, guys get hurt, things happen, guys go pro. Nah, those Oklahoma series, they just put their head down, won games. Uh, Obviously, in the flavor of uh, the time, I guess for me, uh, Barry Bonds, 762 home runs. I think that's awesome. As I'm watching Pujols try to get to 700 inches closer every day, it feels like. Uh, that one sticks out in my head. I'm glad you mentioned the Michigan stuff because the the Cardinal stuff that's happening right now, which uh, Melina and Wainwright, they did break a record, set an MLB record for a starting uh, pitcher and catcher. Pulos is going to get to 700, which is a huge milestone. Watching records actually get broken and broken in front of your eyes is a different thing entirely. And a couple of years ago while I was at Murray State University, I got to watch a guy by the name of John Morant. And he set the single season record for most points in a season with 808 as a sophomore. He also set the career record for assist in two years. And I know most people might be thinking like, oh, it's Murray State. Like, what's the big deal? Murray State's a basketball factory. Like, we've had some really good point guards. I mean, in the past 10 years, we've had five NBA point guards. I mean, that's a lot of deep, like, huge Power Five teams don't do that. Jaw had 532 assists in two years in college basketball absolutely absurd. I think that's like, when we saw him do that, we're like, yeah, this guy's going to make it in the NBA. The, the, his ability to pass the ball, his ability to score, it was really, really cool to watch. And watching it in person with your own eyes is just something different. Watching him dish out 17 assists against UT Martin in a college game, and it's just unheard of. Because you got to rely on your teammates to make those shots. Him getting those guys open is just something else. It's something like like you mentioned with the Michigan guys, seeing it with your own eyes in person or just paying attention to it every night when it comes on television, it's, it's the best. And it's just hard to explain in words because it's just the admiration you have for those guys, what they do for your school, the team you're rooting for. It's so cool. Records are the best. I, I think it gives athletes and fans something to look to and be like, Hey, can our guy get there? Can I get there? If I'm the athlete, can we break these records? It's just, I don't know. I think they're cool to watch. And it's cool to admire the ones that are unbreakable. It's cool to look for the ones that can be broken and who's going to be next. Like, can Hendon Hooker be the all-time passing leader at Tennessee in two years? No. But if he could, that would be incredible. And Like, Tennessee broke all kinds of offensive records last year. Can they break them again this year? Things like that. I think they're just so exciting. I like looking at those records. It's like one of those silly, like, sports fan thing where it's like, Look at the big numbers. These are, these are fun to see. I, I just, I don't know. I like seeing them. I like going on NCAA, the video games, and be like, whoa, the computer generated character threw for 11,000 yards. That's awesome. I don't know. The numbers are just like seeing them. It's cool to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, as sports journalists, I think like that's one of the things, especially as a young kid, where you like it puts. It puts in the context, like, the it's, it's easier to, like, understand what you're watching. And, you know, it's like, oh, that guy ran fast. That guy broke a lot of tackles. It's like, this is an actual, you know, number that I can put to it. So, uh, moving on, we got the picks coming up this week. We've got BYU and Oregon. We've got Penn State and Auburn. And we've got Miami against the Texas A&M. Uh, a few big Power 5 matchups before the conference slates really get going. Uh, We'll start with BYU, Oregon, Dylan, you... You beat me with BYU over Baylor last week. Uh, how you feeling about the Cougars this week?
1: I like the Cougars. I, I like the Cougars last week. I like them this week. I'm not crazy about Oregon. I haven't been crazy about Oregon at all this year. They did bounce back really nicely last week after getting absolutely boat raced against Georgia and Atlanta. They beat Eastern Washington seventy to fourteen. That's pretty good bounce back after not scoring a single touchdown. Uh, but BYU, man. What a huge win against Baylor, 26-20 to 20 in overtime. It's at Autzen in Oregon. I'm still going to ride with BYU. I think this BYU team is really, really talented. I think they can get it done. It's number 12 BYU visiting number 25 Oregon. It's not a night game. If it was a night game at Autzen, I think I would definitely ride with Oregon. Just one of those things. But I think midday, 2.30 kickoff, which would be like noon for them. I'm gonna ride with BYU. I think I think the Cougars go in there, get another huge top twenty-five win, and they'll become a top ten team by next week.
0: So I originally coming in, I was gonna agree with you and go with BYU, but now I'm thinking about it, and this is this is the BYU mode of this is what BYU does. I, I've remembered this for a few years because BYU I can't remember who they beat before they, they beat like another power five team. And then they came and played Michigan uh, at home and, and Michigan just destroyed them. We, we shut them out. Uh, It was one of like our first three shutouts. Uh, And then when they played Tennessee, when they beat Tennessee on the road, I think the next week they got destroyed by some team uh, the very next week. So uh, I, this has been kind of their thing. They go, they put all their heart into one really big game and then they kind of led up the next game. And the fact that it's at Oregon, I think that's the big difference. But it's tough. Like it's tough to play at Oregon. There are a few places tougher to play. I don't care if it's night game or a day game, that's going to be tough, especially. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't very convinced. Uh, Oregon was a good team after Georgia, but, uh, BYU is a different animal. They should be more, like I said against Baylor, they should be more talented. I think the home game at night in Provo kind of gave them a little bit more than I thought that it would. I don't think they're going to have that same opportunity uh, against Oregon at Oregon. So I'm going to go with the Ducks. Moving on to Penn State-Auburn. This is a game that Penn State won last year. Now it's at Auburn. Uh, Dylan, who are you like in this one?
1: I was dumbfounded. To, uh, find out before writing my notes that Penn State was ranked 22nd in the country. That doesn't feel right. Penn State has not impressed me at all this year, uh, but neither has Auburn. Last week, Penn State beat Ohio 46-10. to Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio, the Bobcats. Auburn beat San Jose State 24-16. to Neither one of these teams have been very impressive this year. Both these teams, I believe, are being held back, held back by their quarterbacks. Uh, Penn State has Sean Clifford, Auburn has TJ Finley, I believe, still starting for them. Neither starting quarterback's very good. Um I'm gonna go with Penn State. I just with it being at Auburn, at Jordan Hare, it makes me want to go with Auburn. I like Auburn a lot more than Penn State. I just I feel like this is the game where Auburn's like, okay, we should have, we we had a chance to win. TJ Finley held us back and they make a QB change that they desperately need. So I'm gonna go with Penn State. You got Sean Clifford, he's got experience, if nothing else. James Franklin is a good coach. I think Penn State gets the win on the road, a big win on the road at Auburn. against It's going to be conceived as a big win. I, Auburn's not that good, uh, but it's going to be conceived as a big win because it's on the road at Auburn, Alabama. And yeah, but neither one of these teams are very good. Who do you have again? Penn State at Auburn.
0: Again, this is another one where I feel like the identity of the team means a bit more to me. So Penn State, when they play, Michigan at home, it's a big deal. You know, it's usually the night, the night game, the whiteout, uh, and they take it. a lot of times they beat us. I mean, I I think probably in the past five games we've probably lost three and one two at Penn State at home. Penn State does not give us any trouble. It's not even equi- it, like they look bad. I remember I had one of my best friends is an Ohio State fan, and I actually took him to the Michigan Penn State game the year after it was Saquon or no, it wasn't Saquon, but but Trace McSorley was still there. And we look, we won like forty two to thirteen, and he he looked at me. He was like, "This team sucks. This Penn State team just sucks." And then that Penn State team went to beat Ohio State at home later that season. It it's such a that team is so night and day when they're on, at home, everything's rocking. They look good when they're on the road, and especially against a good team on the road, they. I've never they they look like what we think Penn State is just like a middle of the tier, not very good Penn, big 10 team so I think that makes a difference I don't know much about Auburn this year I just I'm not high on Penn State this year and I think this is a perfect this is a perfect they might get boat race just because I, I'm not big on Sean Clifford I think that team is bad on the road I think that I think Auburn wins that handily uh moving on the last one Miami versus Texas A&M A&M coming off the upset loss to App State Dylan who you got in that one
1: I want Miami to win this game by like 50 points. I think AM's a bunch of frauds. I think Jimbo's a fraud. This is a lot of fraudulent talk here, but man, I don't think AM's very good. I don't think Miami's that good either, if I'm being honest. I want them to be good. They beat Southern Miss last week 30 to 7, but AM lost to App State 17 to 14. I think AM's gonna come to this game with a lot of motivation. Like we just got embarrassed by App State. I, that's just how it is. They talked a whole lot of crap just to get beat by App State, this little school from Boone, North Carolina. Now you've got the U coming to town. I mean, that's like one of these top-tier programs in college football. Miami's on this upswing with uh, Mario Cristobal. A&M's got to answer that. I don't know if they can. I just don't think they have the offensive firepower, especially if you've still got Haynes King back there. That, that guy's got a lot of hype for nothing. That guy, like, I, I feel like I'm being very harsh on A&M. It's, just, it's ridiculous how hyped up they were because they paid – $8 million for a recruiting class. hey like, it doesn't matter right now if they're not all playing. And Haynes King is not the guy at quarterback. Miami, at least they have a legit guy at quarterback. Tyler Van Dyke is him. And I think Miami goes to AM and week three, gets a huge win, sets the momentum up. I I just realized I'm going with all three road teams. But, I mean, hey, whatever. I, I think Miami's the better team. Uh, and I think Cristobal might be the better coach. I, I'm not crazy about Jimbo. I saw a quote that said Jimbo is stuck in 2014. And, uh, yeah, I I think he might be. And 2022 Miami, I think, is better than 2014 anything. So uh, who do you have in Miami, Texas A&M? Yeah, I
0: saw that, too. I think it was Josh Prate who was talking about how their offense was something out of 2014. And he made a good point where, you know, with, with Nick Saban and, and – um, you know, Urban Meyer, these these guys that uh you know, guys that have you know were defensive guys first and, and had to you know take a step back and, and be become offensive guys. Uh, you know, Saban's a really good example where his the the first iteration of Alabama's dynasty was all defense first and the offense came second. And now that they've kind of revolutionized, you know, now they've got guys like Bryce Young, guys really good wide receivers on the outside, uh, and that has come more of as just like. Saban allowing it to happen because you know he doesn't have the offense it wasn't his side of the ball he was the defensive guy versus you know Jimbo's an offensive guy you know all throughout his tenure he's been the guy calling the plays and revolutionizing the offense so what happens to an offensive guy when their scheme is expired you know when their are when their scheme doesn't work anymore when it's too far in the past to live up to the How do you revolutionize? And I think that's something that Scott Frost had a problem with in Nebraska, where it's like, your scheme doesn't work anymore, man. You got to let go. And I don't think Jimbo has the pride to do that. I don't think he does. And I think Miami's a much better – Cristobal's a a defensive coach who can figure out a a basic offense like that and and exploit it. So, yeah, I think in in this case, uh, the the things that App State did to Texas A&M, Miami's only gonna be better at. I mean, like you said, Tyler Van Dyke's better than Chase Bryce is at quarterback. Uh I think that's a that's a pretty obvious fact. So I think Miami's coming in, maybe not with more talent, but the better team overall. I think w- with more, you know, firepower in terms of just what they can potentially do, you know, not, not because of their talent, but because of what their coach can, to, can let, allow them to do. And that, that's, I think the biggest thing, and that's an indictment on Jimbo Fisher that you've got all that talent and people are literally like, no, your, your scheme is holding them back at this point. So uh, I'm going with Miami as well. I think they get that one. So I'm going to agree with you there. That's going to do it for the Dylan and Dylan show this week. Dylan, any final thoughts before we go?
1: I'm really excited for this weekend. Tennessee plays Akron, kind of like Michigan. We kind of got the weekends off. Hopefully we can just pencil in W's. It'll be nice. Everybody stays healthy. Then shift focus. SEC season starts or schedule starts uh, the next weekend against Florida. I'm very excited for that, but not going to get ahead of myself. Let's beat Akron. The Titans, they have the Buffalo Bills. Titans are 0-2. It's looking a lot more like Bryce Young's season in Nashville, which I may be okay with that. That's all for me. Uh, Peace out from DH.
0: All right. That is going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan show. Here is where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan and Dylan show at on Twitter and Instagram. You can find television sports on Instagram at television sports underscore on TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at television sports and on the web at tvsportsbank.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend. We will see you all next week. See you later.